Welcome in, everybody. 5280 Sports Network, 5280sportsnetwork.com. It's time for the Broncos Blitz for Monday, November the 28th, 2016. Welcome into the parking lot of the UC Health Training Center. I am 5280SN Broncos beat dude, uh, Jake Marsing. Joining me. Yeah, I am running on little sleep. So am I. Yeah, we both are. Uh, but, oh, Ryan Green. Yeah, that's, that's Ryan that's Green, I, I was going to yeah. say. That's Ryan Green. Uh, joining me as we as he typically does on the show. Well, yes, most of the time. yeah, no, yeah. It's just most been, of the time. Yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. Um, no, we, we both were running on a very little sleep. Uh, that would be because we had early morning wake-up calls, and uh-huh. uh, we had to deal with a Denver Bronco football game that went much longer than it should have. It wouldn't end. <laughs> in a number of... Capacities. Ryan, the yeah. Denver Broncos lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, thirty to twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you for general perception. I think the best thing to do is to start. Uh, the best thing to do is to start with the big question and work our way back. Okay. Start at the end. Work our way back. Okay. So the Broncos have gone through this long, tedious football game. They're in overtime. It comes down to one minute or so on the clock. Brandon McMahon, it's like fourth and what was it? Like fourth and 20 or something like that? It was long, yeah. It's fourth and long. Brandon McManus has a 62-yard field goal try in front of him. A kick that I have seen him make out here at practice. Um, I've seen him make 70-yarders out Mm -hmm. here. Um, And not just like warm-ups. No, like in in team drills. Scrimmage type. Yeah, Yeah. As, as close to a live rep as you can get. Right. I've seen him make those kicks. Coach Kubiak has seen him make those kicks. He decides to give McManus an opportunity to kick it. McManus misses the kick, but let's start with the question everybody's asking. What do you think of the decision? Uh, I completely agree with it. I I understand why the, the, the part of the argument where if he misses it, the Chiefs have the ball in very good field position – with a, with a minute left, that and that turned out to be the X factor. But at the same time, kicking the field goal is really the only option you have at winning the game. And I think Kubiak said it best: if you punt, you were punting to either tie it best or lose the game. So the fact that they're at least trying to win the game is is enough for me to say that was the right decision. Um, and I, uh, I really haven't heard. You know, Von Miller was even like, "What do you want us to do? Play for a tie?" I, I, I think that's just a logical decision. If, if there's, if there's one argument that you're having with yourself, and one argument says, "Well, this is the only way we can really win the game," take that, do it, and I think that's what they did. Yeah, I think uh, there's. I have no problem with with Gary Kubiak's decision at all. Right. The only other thing you might have been able to do is maybe try and go for a fourth and long conversion, but the way that offense had moved the ball all night, there's no, there's absolutely no guarantee that that was going to happen. And like, so (laughs) in a unrelated note, I know coaches spend so much time planning and game planning, all that stuff. I don't know what coach was ready for that kind of situation. Yeah. Where you're saying, okay, if I punt, we could either tie or lose the game, but if it's a 62 yard field goal, then we win the game. Uh, it, it was just it a, was, it was a situation where if I was Ku- Gary Kubiak, it would be a very tough decision. Yeah, it was a no-win situation for him. Right. Um, that 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 decision ultimately wasn't the difference in the game for me. I, I would okay. even 
I'd even be a little harsher on, a, on another Kubiak decision. Before we move on, let's go ahead and hear Gary Kubiak today at the podium talking about his decision to kick that long field goal. There's a lot of football left to play. You know, I mean, uh, it's a division football game. We need to win a division, division football game, and we had a chance to do it with something that our kicker's done before. You know, they did it before the game. So uh, I know it's tough, and, uh, you know, it's a, a tough kick, but it's something he's done, and it's me showing confidence in him and confidence in our defense if it doesn't happen. So, uh, like I told you guys, I believe in our football team, and, you know, we're going out there battling our tail off, trying to win a football game, and that's what I was trying to do. So that decision was not the one that bothered me most, Ryan. The okay. one that bothered me most was probably the decision not to kick the, uh, not to go for two after Benny Fowler's long really? touchdown. Yeah. Okay. Because you got to have situational awareness there. It seemed like he didn't. He talked about it today on the podium as well. I won't play that. But basically, he said, you know, we're we're going up eight there. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go up by eight points after that long Benny Fowler touchdown. I think the better option would have been to go for two. Worst case scenario, you're up seven. Best case scenario, you're up nine and the game is over. Right? It's risk-reward. I think the best decision that Gary Kubiak could have made was probably to go for it there. But even that decision, I'm not going to harp on. Because for me, that's not what this game came down to, Ryan. The Denver Broncos lost this game primarily because of something that hasn't happened in two years almost. Their defense failed to make critical plays when it counted most. There were three separate opportunities in the second half and in the fourth quarter and in overtime for the Broncos' defense to put this game away. They could not do it. They gave up long drives to the Kansas City Chiefs. They gave up big plays to guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Jeremy Macklin not in this game. This game should have been an, a cakewalk for the Broncos' defense. It proved to be right. the opposite. That, for me, is the big takeaway that all of a sudden this Broncos defense looks very, very, very beatable if you play them the right way, if you spread them out, protect well, um, deal with their options in the secondary. Von Miller got his. Von Miller got Mm -hmm. three sacks. He's incredible. Um, But for me, this is about the defense, especially the back end of that defense and the interior defensive line being unable to get pressure and the secondary being unable to cover and get big stops. Right. I, I agree with that. Um, and it's 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 so, you know, this season that, you know, when the offense really makes enough plays, like big plays to win the game, the defense can't do it out. You know, it's just the type of inconsistency that we've been used to. But at the same time, so the defense, yes, didn't make the play, and they didn't have any turnovers, which was rare, and you're not going to win a lot of games if, you're, if that defense isn't forcing turnovers. But when it, if we're going back to the, the Benny Fowler, the two-point conversion, you know, in Kubiak's defense, going up eight with a, with a defense that has pulled it out, you know, the past two years, if, if you say you have an eight-point lead and all, the, all this defense has to do is get one stop, I'm taking that situation 10 out of 10 times. And, I, again, I, I understand the logical view of going for the two-point conversion – but eight points in that defense, I will take it every single time, every day, whenever. Um, but, so back to your original point, this, again, could be, was almost two weeks where the defense let up game-winning drives. If it wasn't yeah. for a, you know, Justin Simmons jumping over the the line to block the Saints' <laughs> kick, we could be looking at a two-game skid where the defense let the opposing offense march down on the last drive of the game to either win or tie and that is growing concern. Whether the defense is just getting worn out because 
last night the offense until the second half was playing like the offense we've seen all year. Who knows? But it, I, I don't think that the defense is as historic as they were last year. I still think they're incredibly talented, but there's just something missing or different about the defense this year. They don't have the leadership in the interior. I, I, they're, they're more liable to get gashed. There are more opportunities in the middle of the in the middle of the field for opponents. We've talked about the issues they've had with running backs and tight ends, and those have continued really throughout the year. Those are the issues for the Broncos' defense. One of the other storylines that I want to hit on Ryan is Trevor Simeon uh, in this offense. Really yeah. porous performance in the first half. Oh, Three points in that first half. Yeah. Somehow finding a way to end it on a nine with a nine to three deficit. And then then in the second half. Uh, Crazy stuff starts happening. The Broncos start moving the football. For me, this was Trevor Simeon's best game. Mm-hmm. Not because of his statistics, which were great. Uh, 368, three touchdowns, right. no picks. Really good night statistically for him. The thing that I've been asking for from Trevor Simeon and Trevor Simeon supporters is show me special. Mm-hmm. Show me moments in games where he does something outside the system. Right. Where he plays, as, as our old friend Joel Klatt liked to say, above the X's and O's. Where mm-hmm. he can rise outside of the Gary Kubiak offense and play off schedule, play some backyard football. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for that, and I finally saw it last night. I saw it twice. Once on a bootleg that he had to roll out on. It was designed kind of a bunch formation with the wider... Uh, Wide receivers bunched up. It was designed to create separation there. It's a bootleg. They cover up all the receivers on the other side, uh-huh. and he hucks it over the top, kind of a floater off his, like he almost had to leap in the air to get the ball right. out, to Devontae Booker. Um, yes, I remember this play now. So the, the floater there to Booker, which goes for, I think, 23 yards, a 23-yard mm-hmm. game. Great. Just I could see him Great going. Catch by Book, too. Yeah, I could see him going through his progressions mm-hmm. on that play and saying, "I saw him. All right, these guys aren't open." I think Booker was probably his third read on that play. Right. So that was impressive. And then, of course, the play where I went, "All right, that that's the best play I've seen him make." Mm-hmm. Was when he has to come back. He's chased out of the pocket on another bootleg. Defender didn't bite on it, so he's got a defender in his face the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, still getting over the cold. He reverses field, comes back the other way, mm-hmm. hucks that touchdown pass to Jordan Taylor. Yeah. That, for me, was the best moment of Trevor Simeon's career thus far. That was the special playground, off-schedule kind of football that I just haven't seen from him. My question for you is, is that who Trevor Simeon is? Is that who he is becoming? Is that the progression of Trevor Simeon? Is Was, this, was that a coming-of-age moment for him last night? Or is that a flash in the pan? It could be the coming-of-age moment that Trevor <laughs> Simeon, you know, really needed. The, the part that I need to see now is, okay, he had the special moments, now consistently do it. So if he comes out in the next game, holds on to the ball, gets sacked a ton, you know, doesn't have those types of, you know... And, and I'm not saying that he needs to win the game by himself, but even if he just has one play like, you know, like Manning had in the AFC Championship game where he scrambled for 10 yards. Like, okay, then, you know, get some momentum, get the team fired up, do what you need to do. So if he can... If he is good for, you know, one or two plays like you diagram last night, and he does it consistently, then yes, I will sign up for that every single time. But at the same time, 
this is the first time we've seen it all season, and it's week 10. Um, I, I still think he's a young quarterback. I still think he's learning, you know, football, all that stuff. Um, but I, I just, again, I just need to see consistency before I say, you know what, that is now the new QB of the future, not Paxton Lynch. I just wanted to see special Mm -hmm. at some point. I, I never saw it. I haven't seen it all season. Even the Cincinnati game, which a lot of people pointed to early in the year, that was one good quarter. Really. There were yeah, and there were two good throws. Yeah. Not, neither of them were really on target. <laughs> the they deep were throws were under. It was more yeah. lucky than good. It was more DT and Emmanuel. But last night I saw special in that second half. Now, yeah. the first half was pretty abysmal. Um, <laughs> they did make one change, and let's talk about this because I feel like by the end of this season I'm going to be out on an island. Um, so I should probably line out my position here and now as soon as I can. Okay. Uh, early, the Broncos started Tysam Brylo at right tackle. Right. Uh, Donald Stevenson eventually replaced Tysam Brylo. Mm-hmm. Real quick, let's play Gary Kubiak talking about the right tackle position uh, and where they want to go there. You know, obviously I challenge both of those guys, you know, see who's going to play the best. You're both going to play. I think we all know Ty struggled early in the game. Uh, we put uh, uh, Stevenson in. Donald was going to play either way. And uh, I think he played in a way that said, leave me in the game, you know. So uh, it's good to see him take a step forward. You know, we'll keep we'll keep battling there. But uh, good to see him come in and respond and play, play good football. So, yeah, Ty did not have a good first half. No. Um, Donald had not had a good last four games. Right. Uh, things stabilized a little bit when you move Stevenson in. In the second half, so let me let me just lay out my position on Sam Brylo, okay, and and then we can all move on with our lives. I am a fan of Ty Sam Brylo. Mm-hmm. I was happy. I, I thought may I even thought it might have been a little bit of a reach to grab him in the second round. Yeah. I had him graded as a third or fourth round pick, um, but I was okay with the pick when the Broncos made it because mm-hmm. I love him in this system. I love his athleticism. Mm-hmm. He had maybe the best feet of any. You know, second-tier offensive lineman in his draft class. Okay, he's got. A, he's worked his butt off, and I see talent and upside out of Sam Barilla, where I don't see it in other places, in particular out of Donald Stevenson. So why has Sam Barilla struggled so much? Ty Sam Barilla has never, and you know this from being a CSU guy. Ty went yeah. to CSU. Ty Sam Barilla has never played right tackle in his career. He was a left tackle at Colorado State, played a little bit of guard, has never played consistent minutes at right tackle. Mm -hmm. His outside arm, his right arm, is still busted up. Yeah, it's not good. They won't talk to you about it, but it's still not totally healed. Yeah. He's going to be dealing with that until the offseason, where he's going to have to probably have another surgery on it. He is not healthy, and the kid hasn't played. Right. He hasn't played in his entire NFL career. I think he's played less than 10 games. Oh, yeah, way yeah. less than 10 games because yeah. he was inactive for the first part of this mm-hmm. season, only played through the third game last season and as you're starting left training tackle. camps and preseasons as he had? <laughs> uh, he didn't participate in training camp right. this year, hardly at all. Right. This kid has not played football, and they're asking him to play right tackle against Justin Houston, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, out on an island, mind you, without yes. help, without chips. Exactly. And they're asking him to That's... do it on a bum arm with little to no experience. I will give Ty Sambrilo a pass because I think his coaching staff has failed him in a large regard. 
and I see talent in that kid, and I think they do too. They're going to continue to be patient with him, and it's going to be frustrating for Broncos fans, but I see real talent in, in Ty Sambrilo. I never saw that in Michael Schofield, mm-hmm. even though he's been better this season, obviously, and I don't see it in Donald Stevenson. Donald Stevenson's a spot starter from Kansas City right. who should never have gotten the contract he got. <laughs> Ty Sambrilo will be a good player in this league. I stand by that. One game, two games does not a career make. He's going to get things figured out. Once he gets time to actually play, he'll be a good player for this Broncos team. (coughs) Your thoughts? So, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said he didn't get any help at all. And if you are, if you're the Broncos, and truly, even if you have a Pro Bowl right tackle, and Justin Houston is over there, I don't understand why you're not trying to chip him every other play, really, or at least trying to double team. I don't know why they just left him out on the island. Especially I mean, when Holly was as it was as ineffective as he right. was in the limited time. Exactly, right and when the Don Terry Poe went down, and so I mean, you could see at the end of the first <laughs> quarter. I mean, Ty had his sleeves ripped. You know, he was he was always just getting beat, and and yeah. I I'm kind of on your side. This, the, this was more of a, well, what did you think was going to happen situation. And the issue he had were all about that outside arm. All right. About, he, kept getting, he kept getting chopped. Yeah. And when you, that's got a lot to do with the fact that that arm is busted. Hurts. It's still busted. Yeah. He doesn't have the cast on it anymore. But you've probably broken an arm before, broken a limb. That, that hurts for a while. Of course. And, I mean, I, DeMarcus Ware also hurt his forearm yeah. after throwing Alex Smith to the ground. But DeMarcus Ware doesn't have to use that arm right. as your primary weapon to hold off an all-pro pass yeah, rusher. I mean, yeah, from stopping... As a second-year uh, kid who's played six games in his career. So let's slow the roll on the Tyson Brilo hate. Uh, other On the other side, Russell Okung, by the way, did not have a good game himself. Mm-mm. Okung's kick step is killing him still. I think I've talked to you about this. Yeah, you have. And Chris Collinsworth actually did a really nice job, if you watch the TV copy of the game, when Okung gave up one of his sacks, he actually did a really nice job demonstrating that what that what uh, Okung's doing is he's just kicking way too far out, uh-huh. and so he's already giving up that outside leverage, and Collinsworth did a really nice job on the, on the broadcast. Talking about it. Um, those two signings, Stevenson and Okung, have been on-the-field disappointments. Okung's great in the locker yeah. room, but he has not been great on the field. Sam Brilo, uh, I think, will be a good player. Simeon was excellent last night. I think offensively they're moving in the right direction. Question for me. How do the Broncos rebound defensively, look to finish things out here in the home stretch? They've got two games now. Jacksonville, Tennessee. That are must win. You have to win these games yeah. <coughs> against teams that have talent but are deeply, deeply flawed. Um, I still maintain that Jacksonville has a lot of talent. Um, yeah, I even think Blake Bortles can be can still be resurrected if you get a quarterback coach in there who knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, Tennessee obviously has had some success this season. They worry me. The Broncos need to go 4-1 and one in their last five That's to make the playoffs. exactly what my thoughts were. Um, the way that the schedule lays out for the Dolphins, it's really favorable. Kansas City, Oakland. And Oakland have not pretty easy favorable. schedules. But I, I, A lot of division games. Definitely, yeah. Definitely easier than the Broncos schedule. <laughs> Man, it, like, I don't know what the, the Broncos, Broncos have to do. beat the Patriots. The Broncos have to beat the Patriots. 
or that's the one game that they give up and you have to beat the Chiefs and Raiders and Titans and Jets. And the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And the Chiefs in Arrowhead, also on a Sunday night. Um, on Christmas Day. It's going to be tough, man. Like, it's just, it's it, just going to be tough. I wish we were in another division. Yeah, your you know? prediction right now. Are, are the Broncos, I can't believe we're talking about this, but are the Broncos a playoff team? At the moment, I'm gonna say no. I, I'm gonna think yeah. they're they're on the outside looking in. Uh, they're seven and four, but they're three and four in their last. Seven. I think they're gonna go three and two in their last five. I think they're gonna finish ten and six, and I think they're gonna be on the outside looking in, barely so. by the virtue of tiebreakers, because the Dolphins are gonna be able to finish things out. Right. They'll lose to the Patriots and they'll lose to the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Yeah, like somehow the Titans or the Texans will get into the playoffs and will go. The Broncos should be in that position because yep. I think they're better than those teams. I think they are better than those teams, yeah. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's just kind of a bleak outlook. And I wish, you know, if – again, I think the defense can do it. The talent is still there. The coaching is still there. But the the one, you know, the one play that a lot of people are talking about is Aqib Tlaib shoving Jordan Norwood. Yeah. Let, let, um, let's go ahead and play Gary Kubiak's. Okay. He talked about it for quite a little bit today. So here are two questions that he got asked about it, and he got pretty defensive. Let's play that sound real quick. Well, let me just say this. We, we compete at the highest level, and our guys compete all the time. Practice, game, you know, um, you know those type of things. So, I, you know, I see guys competing. You know, guys are upset. Uh, Jordan and Akib are fine. I can tell you that. That's not an issue, okay? Obviously, emotions get in the way, and those are things we got to talk about and stuff. we got to control our emotions, but it's a very competitive environment down there, and, and there was no no harm intended. I can tell you that. So those two guys are fine, and we'll continue to compete. Are you, are you fine with it, though? Are you Excuse fine? me? Are you fine with it? I want our guys to compete. Yeah, I want our guys to compete. You know, they have to handle those situations better. You know, I tell our players all the time, here's what I tell them. We battle together, we don't battle each other. And they understand that. But we're out there competing. So so that's the, the big question here for the Broncos is, is, is this team committed to one another? Are they ready to go in and, and play and fight in these last few games? The Norwood to leave incident that you brought up and we just played the sound from, Ryan, um... I'm going to go into the locker room here in a minute, and we're going to find out exactly how things are going in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. John Elway just a moment ago tweeted out, uh, we're in this game to win, although everyone's disappointed. We played hard and went down swinging. So John's still all about that kicking and screaming mentality. Um, and shoving, apparently. Yeah, and shoving. No, I, I'm, I'm a little split. I'm a little split on the Tlaib thing. So... I I am of the of the group that thinks that it was Akib wanting to win and just frustrated that Jordan may have yeah. lost or or hurt their chances but at the same time it could be a frustration with the defense going what else do we need to do we have we have done you know we and they played so well last night I mean the first half the Chiefs had 50 yards 50 yards in the first they half, and they went up 9-3. They didn't make critical stops when they needed to make them. I, I will agree with that. And <coughs> and it was, I don't know, I just don't, the, so that's what I want to know. I want to know if uh, Akib was frustrated that Well, come they in the locker room. Let's find out. Here's, <laughs> he's here's, pretty open, yeah. Here's the thing about Akib Tlaib that I've learned in my short time being around him. 
not exactly a guy to sit and think through his decisions before no, he makes them. That's that's very um, true. Impulse kind of guides uh-huh. his life. Uh, he is a a uh, uh, he, he's a very emotional person. Yes, carries his heart on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not probably the sanest person I've ever met in my life. This past summer would. Yeah, a, a uh, example. Yeah, I mean, very, very good, good dude, nice dude, uh, right? But very emotional and, and driven by, and driven by a will to win and a desire to win. And I think you're right. I think he got frustrated. He lost impulse control and he mm-hmm. pushed Jordan Norwood. Which, by the way, I thought was kind of interesting because Talib is probably the loudest guy in that locker room. Yeah, Jordan Norwood's probably the, the quietest. quietest. Yeah, he's <laughs> probably because Jordan Norwood's a pro. He's married. He's got a kid. Yeah. Kind of just goes in, does his job every day, and mm-hmm. goes home. Keep Talib is in there jiving, and he'll hold court with the media sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he's um he's an interesting cat. Hey, we got to get out of here because I got to head to the locker room. Okay. Um, we'll turn our attention to Jacksonville later in the week. I think this should be a Broncos win, um, but I wouldn't be. I'm not as sold on it being a Broncos win as everybody else is going to be. I think yeah. the Jags have lost a lot of close games. They've got a lot of talent. Uh-huh. Um, they were kind of one of my, my preseason, hey, we'll look out for this team. Wild but, card sleep, sleepers. Yeah, it's not going to happen for them this year. No. But I, I still maintain that they've got talent. And, and if the ball bounces their way a couple of times, they've got enough to beat the Broncos. Um, oh, looking forward to my Twitter mentions on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, just uh, quickly, I think uh, this Jacksonville game is really going to set the tone for the rest of the season. I think the Broncos could either come out with a hangover and act all, you know, uh, upset at the, the position that they're in, or they come out on fire and it's like, okay, they're, they're trying to start some momentum. Broncos need to win this game by two more, by two touchdowns or more. We agree on that one. Yep. All right. Hey, let's get out of here. Uh, you're Ryan Green. He's Jake Marsing. Uh, you, well, we're not doing that quite yet. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Uh, you, I am Ryan You Green, can be though. followed yeah. on Twitter at rgreen5280. I yes. can be followed on Twitter at Jake D. Marsden. Give us a follow online at 5280sportsnetwork and 5280sportsnetwork.com. For everybody at the Broncos Blitz and 5280SN, he's Ryan Green. Now I do it. Now you do it. Okay, he's Jake Marsden. This is 5280 Sports Network.